Welcome to Puck Talk CS. I'm Chives, joined by Stephen Myrna. And today we will be talking about some really interesting topics. I'm very excited to talk to my friend Steve here and partner. With the new season, subscribe to our website on the homepage to never miss our episodes. Every podcast will be sent in an email directly to you on Monday for the Fantasy Wires and Wednesday mornings for our episodes. Steve, what do we got on deck today? All right, Chives. Sup, y'all? We got a very, we're coming in hot today. We got a hot, fat list of points here to talk to. We're going to be talking about, by the way, what a banger game of the week last week. Leafs, Bruins. We're going to be recapping that, talking a little bit Leafs, talking a little bit Bruins very briefly. This week's game of the week, tomorrow night, the Knights and the Sabres. We're going to be coming at you with that, previewing that. We're going to be talking about one of the hottest teams to start the season in the NHL. And a very, very, very stay tuned for a very interesting discussion on potential Hall of Famers. This is going to be a good one. All coming up here on Puck Talk CS. So let's talk some puck. All right, Chives, last week's game of the week. Leafs, Bruins. How about this game? Because this was a really good one. There's a lot of interesting points. First of all, close game, too. One of the hottest teams, the Boston Bruins coming in, and the Leafs coming in. And I, I believe we both picked the Leafs. We haven't been hot here to start the season with predictions, but I think we both picked the Leafs, and the Leafs did win 2-1. to one. How about that? That's a That's a landmark game of the season, I think, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were... 500 and since they won that game they won their next two so now they're on a three-game win streak they're above 500 in a division where the Boston Bruins are playing out of their minds I mean neither of us predicted that they would be this good a lot of the hockey media and hockey world did not really see this coming from the Boston Bruins and Austin Matthews finally arrived in the big moment two goal performance of course, the stars in Toronto, right, Steve? They always seem to catch the flack when the team's not succeeding to the level that they, they are expected to. Or, you know, I think that is something that we talk about a lot on here is the expectation of those players. And Austin Matthews stepped up in the big moment. Steve, what's your biggest takeaway from this game? Listen, I think you, you already mentioned it. I think, listen, two things for me. Actually, three. First of all, Austin Matthews is starting to heat up. You mentioned that. And this was this was big because you know Austin Matthews shows up, everyone around everyone around him shows up too, and we saw Mitch Marner had two assists. We're starting to see the beginnings of this team to wake up, and I also thought this was big because this snapped the Bruins' seven-game win streak. And I think Leafs, listen, if you're a Leafs fan, you must love the sound of that. Um, uh, that's my second takeaway: snapping the Bruins' seven-game winning streak. Now, listen, my third point is um and i, I kind of want to revisit this very minor you know we we talked a lot a lot heavily about the leafs goaltending uh early on in the offseason and now listen samsonov has been awesome for the leafs to start the season he left the second period with a knee injury in this game and now it looks like he's headed on the ir so now you got matt murray who's been on long-term injury reserve i think he's got a groin injury which surprise surprise i mean we saw this coming. I mean, Matt Murray so far has been a no-show. I mean, his problems have remained uh, consistent with his new team now. And now Sam Sonoff is going on the IR um, with a knee injury. So the Leafs, at this point, 
they they aren't really where they were hoping and i'm not really talking about i mean yes you could talk about the the record as well but i mean goaltending is certainly an area of concern and it's a it's concerned because of injury and listen the injuries are piling up for them and i think it, but putting this aside i still think that they were still able to hold off one of the best teams in the league on Saturday. And, and I, they're kind of shifting back to where they need to be. So I like it. I thought it was a good, good game chops. Anything to add? Yeah. They're the two best teams in the Atlantic right now, aside from the Detroit Red Wings, Steve O's pick for the playoffs this season. So we'll see how the Bruins and Maple Leafs rivalry plays out the rest of the season. Now, there's not a rivalry, but some bad blood in our preview for the Sabres and Knights game of the week on Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Listen, the Sabres, Steve-O, they dropped their last three. They're coming back down to earth. They're seven and six now, haven't lost a game in overtime. And on November 4th, just this week a year ago, Jack Eichel and Alex Tuck were swapped. And it's starting to pay off for Vegas. Eichel has five goals, 14 points in 13 games played, and a five-game point streak. For the fun of the matchup, I'm going to take the Sabres. Steve, I'd love to hear who you're going to take. The reason I'm taking the Sabres, their offense, when it clicks, it detonates. Now, this is for the fun of it because we know Vegas has lost two games in regulation, similar to the Bruins, and zero in overtime. But Buffalo's 4-2 and two at home this season and 3-3 three and three on the road. Haven't lost a game in overtime. Vegas has had to go to overtime in more than one game, either forced it or had to come back to get there. And... Buffalo 4-2 and two at home. That's quite convincing for a team that looks to defeat a Vegas team. That's only lost two this season. Now, last time Eichel was in Buffalo, we both love this soundbite. I mean, it's so dramatic. It's yeah. exactly what – it's like WWE. <laughs> Eichel stated, that's about the loudest I've heard this place ever. It only took seven years and me leaving for them to get into the game. That was Eichel in his post game from the first time he arrived back in Buffalo last season. I think he's bitter and rattled. Like, I don't I don't know if he's over it. And I think that a stoic way of observing his behavior is past behavior suggests present behavior. And I think there is a lot of personal resentment involved from Eichel's party and Jack Eichel himself towards the Buffalo Saber and Sabres and their management. Eichel and Buffalo, their relationship is was off kilter, and that's why he was dealt. Steve, what's your take on this game? What's your favorite part about this game? And what are you looking forward to seeing out of Buffalo? Well, bang, bang, Chavs. That's that's as clear as a shot you're going to get in that quote right there. And I love that take because you you take a look at Eichel and you take a look at, you know, his behavior in the past. And you know that he lives for these games. He wants to play in this game. And I listen, I'm curious to see what he does. I'm curious to see how long Eichel hatred is going to last in Buffalo. Um, and I, listen, I got a good question here. I mean, this I think I still think, in my opinion, it's early to answer this question. But as of right now, Chavs, who who are we thinking has won this trade? I think. Listen, we all know Sabres got Alex uh, Alex Tuck. And he's looking like he's going to be their long-term option. Could be potential captain in the future. Who are we thinking has won this trade? Because I'm, I'm really, really, really curious. You know, this is. I don't think. I don't think we have an answer for this right now. At least on, on my opinion. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that. You know, it's Steve. 
The reason I agree is because it's really swinging back and forth. Like this is really a 51-49% every single time. Alex Tuck has shocked me in how well he's performed. You can see he's taking great strides as a skater, not just a hockey player, but as a skater. He talked in an interview with Spit and Chicklets two years ago about how when he first came into the league, he completely adjusted his skating style, which is really difficult on an athlete to change their gait in their respective athletic field. You know, for runners, it's the same thing to change your gait as a sprinter. Very difficult to adjust and make adjustments to something that is so natural to your biology as an athlete. I really like the way he's fit. And you could see he plays with a lot of passion there. I think that's the benefit to Buffalo. I don't think, I think that they, they lose the point production out of a Jack Eichel, that type of player, an Austin Matthews type goal scorer, playmaker. I mean, he's supreme in his talents. But Alex Tuck wants to be there, and that's the difference. Jack Eichel did not, and that was due to a soured relationship because of his injury. I think that Jack Eichel right now, though, on this point streak is has really become the centerfold of Vegas offense. And because of that, I think that right now they're a little bit ahead because look at their record results business. They've only lost two games and Jack Eichel's contributed to a lot of wins. So I think right now on paper and based on how the teams are doing, I would say Vegas, I guess, has the upper hand, but I do like the passion that Alex Tuck brings. And granted, they've lost three games in a row, but they're going through growing pains and he wants to be there. It's his childhood team. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I love that take. And I think it's interesting. It's all connected now, Chives. Uh, last week's game of the week, this week's game of the week, it's all connected. I mean, Vegas and Buffalo, of course, deserves its own entry. That's why it's the game of the week. But I'm really curious about the Knights because, in general, because they have a couple of interesting matches coming up this week, you know, and it, they they are going to be playing a couple of interesting teams, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And like I said back before, when we talked about uh, who's hot, who's not to start the season, the Knights were one of them. They had a tough they had a tough road trip coming in, and they just came in last night. And they beat the Leafs in overtime, which was a huge, 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 huge win. And obviously, I just mentioned the Leafs aren't where they're hoping to be with their goaltending. The injuries piling up. But this game against Toronto was very crucial to me from a Vegas standpoint because it's it's continuing this run to the season because we all know the Leafs can easily dispatch, you know, the hottest team in the league. And coming in now if they could come in and they could take down toronto and they could take down buffalo now i i think you know the knights are going to be continuing this fabulous start to the season so it's it'll be interesting to see nonetheless all right so we'll transition very smoothly we're talking about hot teams let's move on to a team chives that we we previewed a lot in the offseason but we really had we mentioned them briefly during this season but this team has been very 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 hot to start the season and that's the new jersey devils now listen we all know that the pitchforks were out in new jersey we all know that devils fans were highly disappointed with the team um with the on ice product coming into the season and listen 
with everything with the whole Goudreau sweepstakes not working out. I don't know about you, Chives, um, uh, but I think you will be in a similar position. I happen to know a lot of Devils fans personally, and the lot, the mo- most of the Devils fans that I knew personally, they were very confident coming into the season. And, and they thought that this was going to be the year where this is this team is going to come out and they're going to prove themselves. And, and so far, this seems to be true, but it's still very early on. So right now, this begs the question, are the Devils for real this time? Devils fans think that they're merging out this season. What do you think, Chives? You know what, Steve? They're hot like hell. Um, Brat didn't get a big deal last offseason, and he's channeled his energy into a great start. And he looked in what's in his control is in his control, and that's his play and production. And he's done everything everything to earn a bag at the end of the season at this point and at this rate it's bound to happen even if he kind of comes down to earth a little bit for what we've seen out of his production even though last season he finished off on a great pace they've handled adversity really well and I think that's a great sign they're on that seven game win streak and they've played some really good teams and some teams that they quote unquote should beat but guess what you have to win those games as well you have to step in face the Colorado Avalanche get the one nothing shutout against them on top of that, internally, they lost Andre Pilat, kind of that replacement for Johnny Goudreau, who they didn't acquire. But guess what? Goudreau now with the seven-game win streak, first in the division, that's water under a bridge. They lost Mackenzie Blackwood, who they've been hoping could get into some sort of fringe starter role. And they've had to rely on Vitek Vanacek. He's played quite well. And they're finding ways to win and overcome. They play with speed. That's an attribute that is notable in the success of the playoff teams that made it far last season in Carolina, Colorado, New York, Edmonton, all playoff teams whose strength is in that identity. And the only thing that I would say could be a weak attribute if they do make it to the postseason is size. I don't think they have a picket fence style defense uh, that we see in some of the contenders that we've seen in the last few years, but right now, They've been good, and Calgary was off to a, a, a kiltered start. Um, they're hot and cold a little bit, and the Devils were able to expose that again to win their seventh game in a row. Now, Steve, you had asked me kind of like what my thought is on what's going on, and with with you know even with losing out on Johnny Gaudreau, I think it's water under a bridge as I just mentioned, and. Does it really matter when you're the first team in the division and the Blue Jackets are the last? I'm sure it would still help to have that talent. You lose Andre Plop, but you're still on a seven-game win streak. Steve, for the Devils, can they keep this pace the entire season? That's that's the tough question for me, Chavs. Um, I listen. I do. I do think you emphasized a great point. You know, the Devils are not a physical team. They're a fast team, though. And I think that's what's making them so successful so far is that a big component of how this offense is structured is based upon their speed. They're effective at using speed to snuff out opposing rush chances, which I've seen, and that's worked out pretty well. And listen, you can't score off the rush if you can't make a big play after getting the blue line. And I think the Oilers learned a really hard lesson last week. Uh, what happens when you give this team even the smallest sliver of space to attack. And we saw that when when uh, Jesper Bratt buried the game winner against the Oilers last week. 
And that was just pure speed. And this team has really been thriving in, in a lot of areas that some other teams have struggled in. And that's even strength play. The Devils have been dominant at even strength at controlling the ice. And I think that's that really adds to why this team is doing so well. They're they're generating more offensive scoring chances. And I think the two biggest uh, the two biggest key drivers into why they're generating a lot of high offensive plays and a lot of scoring chances is because Jesper Rapp opening the season with a team record 11 game point streak. He's been fantastic, but I really think that Jack Hughes is the other one. I think he is the engine that's driving the devils. And when you take a look at it, I know that you mentioned him in your devils preview when we did the every team preview in the off season but I, th- I think of him as a similar player to Artemi Panarin of the Rangers, not in terms of how he plays, but in terms of how he, he engages the players around him and, and sets up these opportunities. And he's been generating more offensive uh, plays this year. And he's honestly off to a better start than, than Barkoff down in Florida. You know? And I think Hughes is a player that really, really needs that big year. And I, I think this needs to be the big year for them. Now, what's holding them back? You, you asked me the question, what is what will hold them back? I think for me, the one thing that will hold this Devils team back is their goaltending. And I think this really has been a weakness for the past few years. You know, you have Blackwood spraining his MCL going down. He's out the next three to six weeks. And now they're putting a full workload on Vanacek. I think it's good news to see that Jonathan Bernier, I saw that the other day, he's been starting to practice with the team. He underwent hip surgery, you know, in the beginning of the year. But I think the goaltending, I mean, what do you expect as a, as a Dev- you know, if you're a Devils fan, what do you expect out of Blackwood? Because he really has not been what this team thought he would be. You know, he's just, he's another one that hasn't been able to stay on the ice. Now, I think the key point for the Devils is that they don't need their goaltenders to be elite chives. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think this team, the way the way that they're playing right now, and even not even that, but the structure of the division that they're in, I think if they have league average goaltending, I still think that will make them competitive chives. Now, if the Devils could get that, still, still remains to be seen but I think if they keep up this pace I think when you get in the playoffs it's a whole different story but if they could I think that their style of playing having speed over over size I think combine that with average goaltending I still think that they can make some serious noise in the Eastern Conference this year Chavs all right there's Steve-O's take there now we talk about key players in the Metropolitan Division like Jack Hughes and being that center in, in the centerfold at a young age, that was John Tavares at a point in time. And we're talk, we always talk about in the same division, the Adam Fox, the Kale McCarr, the Quinn Hughes. And in the same breath, that's how Eric Carlson was circa 2011, 2010, really three, four seasons, and then 2012. He brings his team, not just him, the likes of Jason Spezza, Danny Alfredson as well, but on the defensive end, 
it was Eric Carlson and nobody else won the Norris that year. Now, these two players are experiencing a resurgence in their career. John Tavares at 399 goals, about to hit that 400 goal mark. Pretty big, pretty big landmark in his career. And Eric Carlson is second in the league in goals. Ooh, my timer for my laundry. Um, John Tavares, Steve, Eric Carlson. Are they Hall of Fame material? This is something that's circled around the hockey world, and I wanted to touch upon it and hear your opinions. Listen, that I think that timer is going to be sparking an interesting debate here. Now, listen, before before I jump in, I just want to say that I I do not know. I, I don't know who you're going to pick, and, and I want the listeners to know that you really don't know who I'm going to pick. Uh, we, we didn't talk about this before. We wanted to air this on uh live for you guys and i think if i know tribes i think you're gonna say yes tavares is a hall of famer and yes tavares uh, yes carlson is a hall of famer i think you're gonna say both are hall of famers but i think if you had to pick one you would go with with carlson more as a, as a clear cut now listen we all know the hall loves loves their milestones. And I think with Tavares, I think he's going to have, he's going to have the milestones. You know, he's still, uh, Tavares is more of an interesting one with, with me. I, I'll put that one out there. I, I think Tavares is more of an interesting one. However, this is a big, 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 however, the whole loves its hardware. And as of right now, it's pretty clear that Tavares doesn't really have any any awards at the at the NHL level. We'll say that. You move over to a guy like Carlson, and I think that his career is different than Tavares. I mean, there was a point in history where Eric Carlson to me, was the best defenseman in the entire league. And I think that wasn't even a question. You know, even though that was throughout the early stages of his career, he dominated in both the offensive and defensive zones, putting up a historic point. And he also earned two Norris trophies. However, once he departed the Ottawa Senators and went to the Sharks, I think his career trajectory slowed down significantly. And I think he's fallen out of the scoring races. He's fallen, he's fallen out of the Norris discussions. And I think injuries have severely reduced his ability to take over games as he once could. Now, we jump back to Tavares now. I don't want to keep jumping around. But he, he's he got a similar, similar but different, where he left, he left the Islanders and he's going to the Leafs now. Now, I do think a guy like Tavares, he's still... He still has more years to prove and gain his numbers. So I'm I'm gonna throw it right at you now. Here it is, Chives. Right now, I'm gonna say John Tavares is not a Hall of Famer. Do I think at the end of his career he will be? I think I could lean towards yes, but I still think he needs to prove something. I still think he whether mm. that's in milestones, I think he's got to get that hardware on his side. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm going to throw at you 
No, John Tavares is not a Hall of Famer. What about Eric Carlson? Eric Carlson. Yes, I do think right now Eric Carlson is, I think to me, Eric Carlson would be a Hall of Famer. I think out of these two players, yes, Eric Carlson would be closer to being a Hall of Famer. He's still looking for his hardware as well. As well. And I mean that he wants that Stanley Cup. He's collected two Norris trophies. And I think that when you take a look at in the Norris conversation, I think he he's received votes for Norris Trophy in more than half of his seasons. And also, I think he's finished more than top 10 in the Hart Trophy as well in probably a little more than or close to that half, half point for all of his season. So I think there's a lot of history for Carlson here. Uh, but I do think that he needs to reclaim his former glory to keep his pace up towards that ballot. And I think Tavares has to do the same thing. But I think right now, in terms of positioning, I think Carlson ranks better than where Tavares sits. And I, when you take a look at it, Carlson is one of the best top-scoring defensemen ever. You know, what is he, top 30? So... I think he's still got some more time in his career, but he needs to get back to the dominant play that that he was when he was fully healthy uh, in the early part stages of his career. And I think if he could do that, I think he's securing that ballot, Chavs. Curious to see what you have to say. Yeah, objectively speaking, John Tavares is 32 years old. He has three years left on an eight by $11 million contract that he signed in 2018. Stats, career. 962 games played, 910 points. Best seasons, 88 points in 1819, first in Toronto, 86 and 14, 15, 15 on the island, 84 and 17, 18 on the island, and 76 and 21, 22 in Toronto. Notable awards, none at the NHL level, no awards at the NHL level. He won gold into the 2014 Olympics for, excuse me, Canada, but was injured in the final two games. Playoff performances. 44 games played in his playoff career, 36 points, and has advanced to the semifinal round once with the New York Islanders in 2016. And in that 2016 second round exit, he had 11 points in 11 games played. He currently ranks 119th all-time on the NHL all-time points leaderboard. Eric Carlson, 32 years old, same age, five seasons remain on an $11.5 million contract when he was traded to the from the Ottawa Senators to the San Jose Sharks at the beginning of the 1718 or 1819 season. Stats his career 679 points, 852 games, notable awards the James Norris Memorial Trophy 2012 and 2015 for de- best defenseman in the NHL. Player of performances his famed 2017 Eastern Conference run, 18 points in 19 games played, and in 2019, the Western Conference final run he had. With San Jose, 16 points in 19 games played. He currently ranks 29th all-time in career points by a defenseman and 60th all-time in defenseman points in his playoff career. You want my take? Here's my take. Points-wise, it's arguable for John Tavares. But not currently. He does not have an award to his name or brought a team significantly far in the quest for silver in 14 seasons. 
Oh, man, I knew we were going to agree on that one. I think he has a really interesting career. I mean, we're talking a player that's put up 910 points in his career, is this center full defenseman, is looked at as a coveted player despite his skating style. He's kind of a clunky skater, not the smoothest skater. He puts up points right now. He's in Toronto as the 1-2-C option with Austin Matthews. But even the fact that he was injured when they won Olympic gold, it seems like a narrative that he can't really win the award. In 2013, that was the time he was up for the Hart Memorial Trophy as a finalist and did not take home the trophy. Now, granted, do trophies prove everything? No. But it's proving that he's not the best at his position. There's 32 number one centers in the NHL. He's had 14 seasons. And if you times that by two, there's 64. At the time that he was the captain of the Islanders, no Vegas, no Seattle, so 30 teams. So times that by two, there were 60 number one and number two centers in the NHL, and he wasn't the best out of those. So I think that says a little bit. Uh, and, and we're seeing that the game's evolving a little bit ahead of him, and he has three more years left. He'll be 35 by the end of that. Does he bring home an award? Like, I don't see him bringing home a heart trophy at this point in his career. It would really have to be the Stanley Cup. And that's something that's going to come down to how the team performs. And he's the captain right now. So we'll see where that goes. Now, Eric Carlson, oh, Steve-O, it, it pains me to tell you this too, but I think he's closer to Hall of Fame material, as you stated, than John Tavares. And it's solely on his recognition as best defenseman in the entire NHL twice. Not once, but twice. This wasn't a fluke. He really was the epitome of the offensive defenseman and two-way defenseman in the beginning of his career. Prime of his career, really. And the way he has helped progress the game of hockey, he broke the bounds of the dead puck era. As you mentioned, he he broke the bounds of things as when in his younger uh, days as a NHL defenseman and as an Ottawa Senator, he was doing things that no one else had seen. He was the one of the best defensemen post dead puck era defensive style and he progressed the defensive position on the offensive side of the puck so we agree oh what a killer uh, our nobody gets to hear us debate today uh too hard but i really think it's more about how carlson's progressed the game from the narrative aspect of of the eye test the visual how he performs as a defenseman in the offensive zone is something we hadn't seen we're a little bit too used to seeing Kale McCarr highlights today. And I think for John Tavares to reiterate, it's crazy. Points-wise, I think he's a Hall of Famer. And everything else just doesn't suggest that. So I'd love to see what you think about uh, my takes there, Steve. Listen, Chives, it's unfortunate, but no debate here today. I 100% agree with your points. And... I, I, I kind of had a feeling that we would agree. We think on similar, we, we grew up, we grew up together. We grew up in the same generation, watching the same players, watching how they evolve now. And I just think that some of these answers are just, are clear cut. And, and I agree 100%. And we, and when we sit and analyze these things, we, we, we think very similarly uh, not to say all the time, but we do think very similarly. And I think that for me, when answering this quite this question, this was an easy one. I think this was an easy one. And, and it was more easy. It was more easy, I guess. How about this? I'll ask you the question. Was it easier 
for you to pick an answer on Tavares or was there more clear cut answer on Carlson? Clear cut on Carlson and difficult for Tavares because Tavares has a very strange career. Carlson had three rough seasons in San Jose after he was in the league for a significant portion of time, eight to nine seasons. So I think that Carlson was more clear cut in that respect. How he changed the game is he he's left his imprint. I think John Tavares is the question mark because I think it's a little bit harder as a forward to garner the same respect, especially when you haven't really gone far in the post. Like at the end of the day, I can't imagine John Tavares being a first ballot Hall of Famer right now because if we looked in hindsight at his whole career as we just did, I think it would look kind of silly to walk into that cathedral of a building and look and say, oh my gosh, he 910 points. Oh, he's got to have like three rings. And, you know, our kids are going to be like, so what did he do? And it's like, he made it past the second round once. You know, I, I just don't know if that's something that writers for Canadian writers will probably, especially in Toronto, will probably try and get him on that first ballot, cast their vote. But I don't know if a lot of American writers will. And I think it really comes down to the control of the vote when it comes to his retirement in six to seven, seven to eight years. We'll see how long he plays for. But I think that's what it comes down to as well. And I think it may look silly right now for a player that's put up 900. It's it's strange because if he didn't put up the point totals, it wouldn't even be a question. But the point totals versus the hardware is really the argument there, right, Steve? Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm curious to see what you guys, the listeners, feel. Do you guys agree with us? Do you guys disagree with us? Let us know. You, you know, you could let us know down below in the comments. You can email us at pucktalkcs at gmail.com, or you could DM us on Instagram. Also, let us know if you like this kind of debate. I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can find. We could definitely cook up some interesting pairings on the Hall of Fame with current NHL players. 100%. Chives, any ending thoughts here on this thought, Tavares Carlson? I think we wrapped it up really well. I'm in the camp of John Tavares is not a Hall of Famer or Hall of Fame material yet, and Eric Carlson is closer to that. I would like him, you know, to bring home hardware at some point. Maybe again in his career, really gun for, for a Stanley Cup. San Jose's 3-8-3 and three right now, so who knows? They could turn it around. Steve-O, what I did want to mention before we conclude is that we have some cool things coming up fantasy wires for November 14th, November 21st, November 28th, December 5th, and December 12th. And we have some cool ideas for some episodes coming up, revisiting some of our hot takes and predictions in a few different parts, some segments we want to film over our Thanksgiving American Thanksgiving break. And we have some interviews that are coming up. So we have some special guest talk from, you'll be hearing from a few different voices then from Chives and Steve. Oh, you know, Chives, I'm killing to revisit those hot takes. That's going to be a good one. Thanks for listening here, everyone. And always remember, it's just the luck of the puck. 